Motherhood Incorporated proudly presents Military Mom Talk Radio live on toginet.com. Co-hosted by Robin Boyd and Sandra Beck, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here with a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. Military Mom Talk Radio encourages you to share your experiences of being a military wife and mother. This show is dedicated to educating your family about the many resources that are available in both the public and private sector. And we'll be sharing helpful information from women all over the world. We'll cover everything military from helping a family member cope with post-traumatic stress disorder to navigating government programs dealing with family issues to the struggles of deployment along with being a working mother both in and out of the home. This is Military Mom Talk Radio and here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Military moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd, and we've got a veterinaristic show today. <laughs> I know Veteran Day. I, it's you know there are so many opportunities veterans and I think it's so important for us to make sure that we always uh, find something new and and it's also wonderful to talk to the folks who have been there you know absolutely absolutely well I have a great success story that I want to share today if that's okay with you yeah okay well my dad is a Navy veteran and my dad is 80 years old and many of you who've listened to the show in the past know I'm always harping about nutrition and exercise being you know the most important thing you can do for your body well guess what my dad did today in the park did he go for a walk did he jog what did he do he did he went he jogged you know and when he first came to live with me five months ago he could barely walk up and down the stairs. He was tottery and dottery, and we've done some yoga in the pool. You know, he's been walking every day consistently, and we've changed his nutrition, you know, to, to a, you know, a real heavily plant-based diet. Still some meat and still some snacks, but, yeah. you know, a heavily plant-based diet. I used my Nutribullet. I used some, you know, a the different commercial shakes that are available, you know, um, Vicellus. There were a couple other ones that I tried, too. I just, you know, used whatever I had. I didn't, you know, go bananas on it. But if you were to ask me if he would jog at 80, I would tell you no. And if you asked him, the last time he jogged was 55 years ago. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, I... I think it's a set of mind, a mindset, and if you have your mindset on doing something, you're going to get there. You have to, of course, take in some accommodations to your your body's age. <laughs> you just can't go out there and run run the marathon if you haven't and, and if you're not fit, but working up to it, there's no reason why you can't. Well, you can't. Well, and you know what got us inspired was, you know, they had this, you know, they do this thing in our park. Our park is very small. It's got a, you know, one half mile track around it, and that's it. You know, it's yep. inside of a half mile track. And um, we were looking at the winners for the little marathon that they did. It was only a two and a half K run. Um, mm-hmm. But they, we looked at the winners, and the youngest person to complete it was four years old, did the whole, you know, two and a half miles. Yeah. Or, or two and a half K, whatever it was. And then the oldest was 85. And I thought, <sighs> You know, we need to reset 
our thinking and what our minds and bodies and spirits can do if we mm-hmm. focus on it. And I mm-hmm. was really inspired because on my sister's show, Powered Up Talk Radio, um, we had interviewed last week a woman who had a spinal cord injury. And mm-hmm. uh, for three years, she could not walk. She was a, a paraplegic. And today she dances and she walks. And, you know, she did conventional medical treatments, but she also did a lot of yoga and meditation and swimming and walking wow. and changed her nutrition. So I think we've just, you know, tipped the top of the iceberg in what our bodies can do to heal ourselves. So I wanted to give the message to everybody out there, you know, no matter what body shape or size or wellness level you're at, it's worth focusing on improving uh, Mm -hmm. to have a better quality of life. I agree. You know, I, I had done some quite a bit of reading when I was going through my chemotherapy, and that was the topic of one of the books was... And it wasn't called mind over matter, but it was called, it was mind over something. And you put your mind in that forward healthy state and you control your mind and it puts your body into a more receptive uh, context, I guess you could say. It helped for me and, and I can't say that maybe there wasn't other there there certainly was the uh, advantage of the medicines, the kind of cancer I was going through. But I, I just honestly believe that your mind is very, very powerful and you have the ability to make some advancements in whatever else you're doing, even if it means to keep yourself more positive to accept the, the benefits of the medication that you're getting. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. Well, and, you know, the funny thing is, Rob, what does it hurt? You know, it's like I look at my dad and go, he's still taking his, you know, Lipitor yep. and his, you know, whatever his medications of are. Course. You know, it'd be interesting to see if he keeps on this, you know, keeps taking care of himself if he can get off some of those medications. But, mm-hmm. you know, nobody's advocating stopping anything. They're just advocating, you know, get up and move, walk a little bit, and take a little better care of your nutrition, take care of mm-hmm. your body, mind, and your spirit. You know, how can you lose? That's right. And I'm really glad that more and more physicians are looking at, um, I don't want to say alternative medicines, but yeah, alternative medic, um, medicine in the in that context that it's not replacing what they know is going to be a tried and true, but there's certainly the room for taking in some other other things, whether it be vitamins, whether it be nutrition, whether it be, and and even when we talked with those that uh, doctor from the cancer treatment centers of America, remember they were talking about you know a, a complete uh, approach, not just a one track approach, but the naturopathics and the and the the um, mind and body, it, it all tied in, and that was helping you become healthy. So. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, and I would love to, you know, introduce, because, you know, I like to make up words like veterinarian. Um, I would like <laughs> to change, you know, I'd like to change this alternative medicine to a term, you know, and I was thinking about this called complementary medicine. You know, it's yeah, complementary. Yeah, better. Yeah. You know, how can you, you know, eating right is not going to interfere with your chemotherapy. You know, Correct. gentle exercise or stretching or walking or whatever it can do is not going to interfere, you know, mm-hmm. with your you know what I mean? It's like, it's, you know, the funny thing, you know, I think of yoga being called alternative. You know, we have that yoga expert on here, and I mm-hmm. think it's so funny that it's alternative as opposed to complementary. 
I agree. You're you're so right on there. And next week we have uh, Deb Belanger coming back on. I saw so talking about good fitness and good good health and good nutrition. She's the gal. She is. She is. And you know, and all these women, you know, have been such inspiration to me to change my life, um, you know, from a physical standpoint. And I'll tell you, when you take care of the physical, the mental and the spiritual just march right along behind it. So if you don't know where to begin to change your life, you know, changing that, you know, your diet and nutrition and your, you know, the amount you move every day, it just seems to supercharge the other things. It does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Speaking of spring, how's the weather getting out there? We're getting into mud season out here. Oh, you can have mud season. Oh, it's beautiful out here. It is beautiful. You know, 70 and sunny today, no complaints. Mm, we're almost there. But, boy, winter sure is hanging, just lingering on the East Coast. It is so, <laughs> I'm talking about getting some fresh air and getting out and getting exercise, it's... <laughs> We're really thirsting to do all of that. Today we had a little sleet and rain and snow. So, <laughs> happy spring. See, I'm one of those weirdos that I love to go out in bad weather. I think growing up in Buffalo, you know, we mm-hmm. had so bad weather that I enjoy it. I think it's beautiful to watch, you know, the rain and the snow. And I love to come back, like, all wet and chilly and then get into mm-hmm. a hot tub or drink hot tea because I will tell you when you live in a climate that's like 100 degrees for five months you really lose that enjoyment of a hot chocolate or a hot tea my age is kind of showing I got to say that I really feel it I when I get an ache and and um, my muscles ache it takes days to get rid of it so we're, we we kind of amble around, and you can't walk around if there's ice on the ground because you're going to fall and you're going to break something. So, you know, we have to be a little careful about that. But you're right. There's no reason why you can't get out. We have um, snowshoes at work every so often in the wintertime. We've got gals going out and snowshoeing, and I think that's great. Yeah, I do. I just think moving. And, you know, it's so funny because... Everybody thinks like, oh my gosh, it's so easy to work out in, you know, Southern California, but we get those terrible heat days. But I'll tell you, I walk around my house, I will carry that laundry basket and walk one up at a time and go up and down the stairs and walk around. It's amazing how much movement you can fit in if you just get up. But that's my problem, is I have a problem just getting up. Well, it's true, and when we have jobs that we're kind of stuck to our computers all day long, it is hard to say, all right, I'm going to stop right here and get up and go walk around. You get into that mind frame, and you're, you're, you're making progress, and you're, you're going, but you do need to sort of plug it in, and we've kind of talked about that too, San. You just put it in your day timer. You put it in your Outlook calendar, and it'll bing when it's time to go out for a walk, and it just kind of flashes up on your screen. So that's, that's the kind of thing that, that we need to do. San, you know, we've got a couple of great guests coming on on the show today. We've got Steve Boyd, who's our veteran correspondent. He spent some time um, talking to a Korean War veteran, and we have a little clip of that today to share with you. And uh, then we're, we invited Tom Van Hees to come back. He talked last week about his uh, book, The Disabilities Compensation, The Veteran's Guide. He also has written a couple of other ones, and one more specific to Gulf War veterans, which we're kind of anxious to talk to him about. Um, but 
coming up first, we'll have Steve talk a little bit uh, about his interview with with uh, our friend um, Ken Easton, who is a Korean War veteran. He also went up to our veteran cemetery this week and chatted with the cur- uh, no, I was going to say curator. That's the wrong term. <laughs> <laughs> the caretaker. <laughs> it is. And that's one of the things that we did want to talk about was the fact that some of these cemeteries have some beautiful monuments. They have beautiful, there was a, a nice little um, setting set up in this building that was very, very uh, symbolic. He'll, if I hope we have a little bit, enough time to be able to share that, um, what he saw up there. But it really was very interesting. And of course, um, there's a lot that families of veterans need to know uh, about the cemeteries and those things that are available to them. So um, we're definitely... Uh, We've got a great show. We are looking forward to chatting with Stephen and looking forward to chatting with Tom. Uh, if you haven't got a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or a cup of something else, go ahead and get it. We've got a commercial break, and we'll be right back here with Sandra and Robin on Military Mom Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after the... Join us for Healing with the Marika Method. This is an amazingly informative show to help heal people as well as their horses, dogs, and cats. This show inspires and empowers people to take charge of their own health and their animals' health using the power of diet, nutrition, natural medicines, and lifestyle to heal a variety of health problems. Learn how food impacts all physical and emotional health conditions and how diet and natural medicines are used to heal the body, mind, and spirit. Marika is a health and nutrition specialist, homeopathic practitioner, a gifted medical intuitive and healer, and an author and educator with over two decades of experience in clinical practice for people and their pets. Join our host, Marika Vandewater, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. We'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list and a statue. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd, and we're going to get Robin Boyd's other half on the show today, veteran correspondent Stephen Boyd. I'm so glad that he's able to come on the show and join us today. He's always got such great information. (laughs) Hey, Steve, how are you? I'm great. Hello, ladies. (laughs) Hey, Steve, so you did something neat this week. You want to talk about it? Sure. Sure. All right. Well, tell us what you did. All right. The first thing I did was uh, today I spoke with uh, another veteran, the Korean War veteran, and uh, we'll have his uh, interview coming up shortly. 
And the other thing that I did was uh, I've always been curious about where am I going to be planted? Not that it's one of those things that you think about because I'm not close to it, but uh, it's like writing a will. Um, it's something you want to think about for the future. And as a veteran, I was thinking, well, there's uh, Arlington or something local, so I checked into it. And uh, we have a veteran cemetery right here in New Hampshire that's absolutely beautiful. Well, Steve, let's listen to your interview right now with Ken Easton. And um, then when we uh, wrap up this segment, we'll talk a little bit more about um, your trip to the cemetery. <laughs> that sounds kind of funny saying it that way. <laughs> Just visiting. <laughs> Not Just moving visiting. in. <laughs> Casey, let's roll the clip and let's meet Ken Easton. Today I have with me Ken Easton, a Korean War veteran. And he's going to tell us about his service and how he deals with the VA and how great the VA is. Hi, Ken. Welcome to Military Mom Talk Radio. Well, thanks so much, Steve, and uh, I'm glad you uh, suggested that I come on. Uh, so uh, ask me some questions. Sounds great. Uh, what prompted you to join the service in the first place? Well, uh, as, as a young lad, I was actually in a military school in New York State, and, uh, and sort of naturally at that time, upon graduation, I, it sort of followed that I went into service. I didn't have any particular other goals at that time, uh, but the time in service and the education I received in the service uh, did me well later on. So that's, that's primarily what happened in the first instance. Okay, so that prompted you to go in. Uh, the draft was still going on uh, during the Korean War in the early 50s, is that correct? That's right, and I went in. While I volunteered, uh, many of my uh, companions in there were draftees, so we had sort of different outlooks on most everything. Now, as I mentioned, you did serve in the Marine Corps. Um, what prompted you to join the Marines uh, rather than, say, the Army? <laughs> Remember, I was just a young fellow then. Uh, but uh, I think uh, back then uh, I thought it was probably the most aggressive branch for a young man. I had no idea about education abilities or, or what my future in the Marine Corps might be and how it really differentiated uh, 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 to other branches of service. Yeah, yeah. Um, was anybody else a uh, former military in your family that prompted you to join the Marines? None. But I saw a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> John Wayne is a very uh, oh, yeah. forceful character when he's uh, portraying somebody in a particular branch. Yeah, I always carried a poster of John Wayne with me. <laughs> not really, not really. <laughs> now, uh, and one of the questions that I have that I keep seeing on some of the old war movies myself is uh, people that were indoctrinated into what's called the Fleet Marine. Uh, what does this mean? Well, first, basically, it means you're in an uh, infantry fighting unit. But generally, it's a division size unit, huge. Uh, there's three of them in the Marine Corps, first, second, third. And uh, each of these three FMFs or divisions could go individually into large-scale combat commitment uh, with full supporting components. This would be like uh, tanks, artillery, and even an aircraft wing. 
and a motor transport battalion to shuttle troops and supplies. I was part of the uh, motor transport battalion in the supply function in a in a combat area. Right. So you were you were hauling the ammunition, water, and food supplies up to the guys on the front line. So. In essence, you were a bigger target than the guys you were delivering to. Well, I didn't have that much weight on as I do now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, we were, in, in a way, we were choice targets, of course, but yeah, uh, right on a DMZ, but not too often. Yeah, so you still had to be close enough to the military to supply the the, the, the ground troops, the, the infantry, to supply them with the, the equipment that they needed Almost uh, immediately. In that situation, and I believe in most branches in that situation, regardless of what you've done, you're an infantryman first, and we always carried our weapons, and, we're, and sometimes we had things to do. But Of course. Anything. Yeah. Okay. Um, where did you do your basic training? There's uh, a, a, a nice uh, resort called Paris Island, uh, South Carolina. That was uh, a real wake-up call for a 17-year-old kid. And would you believe I went to Paris Island in South Carolina and I joined in August? (laughs) 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 Yeah, I I shed a lot of weight real quick. So you didn't have to worry about the uh, drill instructors as much as you did the alligators and the snakes and that sort of thing? Oh, right, those sand flies all over the place and they'd (laughs) land on you and bite you and you go to hit it and the DI would say, son, they got to eat too, leave them alone. (laughs) With sand fleas. Yeah. Now, uh, where did you serve, uh, both stateside and overseas, if you can tell us that? Well, I, after I got out, I went back in so I had an, and got married, so I had an extended time in the service, but you certainly, uh, as I said, uh, Paris Island, uh, South Carolina, and uh, oh, I went to uh, uh, North and South Carolina, I went to Virginia, I went to California, I went to Korea, and uh, I served in some specialized duty in Massachusetts. And uh, my wife and I were stationed at the Naval Academy. And finally, uh, we were at the uh, Marine Corps Air Station in Cherry Point, Car- uh, uh, North Carolina, where we were discharged. Okay. Now, I've been uh, pretty much all, oh, no, also a year or so in Okinawa. So I've been all over the place. Okay. Uh, now, how, how many total years did you spend in? Uh, first three, which was the normal enlistment, and then you've mentioned during a draft time, but I enlisted. And then after that, another uh, nine Another nine years on top of that. Yeah, I was going to stay in, but uh, that's a whole other story. But I got out and went to school. Okay, so your entire time in where you were an enlisted man? That's correct. Okay. Tell me, let's get into uh, some of the uh, working with the VA. Um, okay, uh, as far as the VA, uh, j- just a note uh, that uh, veterans, uh, if they go to the VA, it's not all medical, but uh, that you can retain your outside primary care doctor. You don't have to give up that at all. But at the same time, uh, you can have a, a doctor or a nurse practitioner assigned to you from the VA. Now, the VA can give you as much coverage on your regular, uh, uh, on your regular, uh, uh, as your regular physician. Uh, they compare notes. They compare diagnoses, treatments, uh, and, and medicine uh, recommendations. And the VA uh, uh, gives you these medications frequently without cost, uh, but sometimes with a copay. Now, as far as specialties, what do they, they do? Now, you do not, have to, do not have to be a combat veteran. Just simply being in the service, uh, you have certain benefits. Uh, these are annual examinations, shots, immunizations, eye checks, hearing, 
etc. I'm not saying that you don't get some of these on the outside, even with your other doctor. Sometimes they will do a dual uh, program just to make sure that these things are uh, doing right and you are following what you're supposed to do. So a veteran or a service person gets a complete uh, coverage from the VA. And I've been involved in continuing involvements with the VA over many, many years, not only medical but educational, helped me finance a home, so many things. And was, the VA was extremely important to me. And if, uh, if a, uh, 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 a spouse, a male or female, is uh, deployed overseas, the other spouse, male or female, can go into the VA and start working on a home financing and this kind of thing, or education. So when the spouse comes back from uh, overseas, the, the, the other spouse has this stuff all set up. Yes. And it's, it's a wonderful benefit there to be able to do that. If you're a veteran and, and want to help out, that uh, you can apply to these places and they're always anxious to bring you aboard and uh, help out your fellow veterans. That's true. That's right. Okay, Steve, and one more thing. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Okay. Wait, wait. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ken. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> That's Mr. Ken Easton. What a delightful man. He himself is an author. He is a um <laughs> uh he has been a keynote speaker and Steve that was a wonderful interview. Yeah, he's a uh, a good man. Now the way I found out that he was in the service obviously was uh um he goes to our church, and on Veterans Day and on the weekends that they, they do it, he wore a sport coat with his uh, Marine Corps emblem on it, mm-hmm. and uh, he had some lapel pins of some decorations, in them. and uh, with, uh, veterans always hook up one way or the other. I think so. And one of the things that we're starting to notice, Steve, as we're talking with people of different generations, there may be some differences, but there's that underlying bond and that underlying um, constant that I think all of you share, which is really important. Yeah, all veterans are pretty much the same, regardless of uh, when they served. Uh, um, the wars change, the, the people that we have to fight change, and the weapon systems change, but we're all American veterans. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, on the other side, and before we go on any further, let's uh, make sure we do say thank you very much, Ken Easton. Uh, We appreciate it, and he is the author of Surviving Your Business Debt. If you are interested, he is a financial business consultant. Um, On the other side of the break, Steve, we're going to keep you with us for a little bit longer. We want to talk a little bit about what you discovered for the veterans' um, cemeteries, and also Also, in tandem, on another time that you visit with us, we're going to talk a little bit about the veteran homes that are also within the uh, national network, and I think that that's important for people to know a little bit about. Um, But on the other side of the break, we'll talk with Steve Boyd uh, about his uh, visit to the um, veteran cemetery here in New Hampshire, but it will be constant throughout um, all states. Um, That's one of the questions that we're going to ask, Steve. How many veteran cemeteries are there, Steve? (laughs) That's going to be a Jeopardy question for you. There's there's more than 50. Quick, look it up on the break. Quick, look it up. (laughs) 
U.S. Army veteran Stephen Boyd with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. Stay tuned. After we chat with Stephen, we're going to have Thomas Van Hees. He is a veterans advocate helping veterans obtain compensation from the VA and has written a number of books um, that you will want to make sure you look up on Amazon because they are wonderful resources and very informative books. Back in a moment with Stephen Boyd here on Military Mom Talk Radio. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. LinkedIn. It's a great tool. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady. With the LinkedIn Lady Show, Wednesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is here to show you and your business how every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose that can benefit you. The LinkedIn Lady will have interviews each week with a variety of guests, such as business owners who will showcase their businesses and talk about how they're using social media to stay in touch with not only customers, but to attract new relationships that become customers. Other guests will be experts in social media who will speak to the use of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Plaxo, Squidoo, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. Join us, won't you? Every Wednesday afternoon at 5, 4 Central, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with host Carol McManus on Toginet.com. In the annals of recorded history, there has never been anything that can compare to home movies. But now, in this modern era, where do you turn for the best information? Right here. It's the Home Movie Legacy Project, hosted by Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Learn how to organize, digitize, share on social media, use this genealogy research, repurpose or even monetize found footage. Discover ways to find films about your own family that you didn't even know existed. Or create a documentary that can use the power of home movies to deliver a message that can impact the lives of many. For more on Rhonda and the show, go to our website, homemovielegacy.com. Then be here as the journey continues with the Home Movie Legacy Project with Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin and Stephen Boyd today. We're doing a veteran special show. We just had a great interview with, what, Rob, what was his name? Ken Easton. 
Oh, I was going to say Ken Blanchard. So Ken Easton, yeah. We would have <laughs> <laughs> them all mixed up. Um, that's my signature move, getting people's names wrong. Uh, for those of you that missed the first half of the show, you can pick us up on iTunes. You can also find us on toginetradio.com. You can also find us on our website by the same name, Military Mom Talk Radio. We have 180 hours of family-friendly military programming that brings you the best in authors and charities and military service groups, as well as interesting interviews like we had uh, today. Now, we have a great topic today because we tried to cover on our show some things that most shows don't cover. We've covered covered cremation. We've covered hospice care. And today we're going to cover military cemeteries because it's a natural fact of life, Rob. We're all going to exit this planet at some point or another, and people are going to need to make arrangements for us if we don't. So I love that Stephen went up and uh, started to, to do some interviews and talk to people about what is available in our veteran cemeteries. And before we went to break, we asked Stephen, how many, just how many veteran cemeteries are there in the United States? Well, that's uh that's a, a tough thing to say, but I know where to find that information out. Uh, the federal uh, government under uh, cemetery, cem.va.gov, has a website, uh, part of the Veterans Affairs uh, um, Department. Now, I counted 45 states with at least one cemetery in it, and some of them, some of them had as many as six or seven cemeteries. Um, not all of them are under the auspices of uh, or working in conjunction with the states, but uh, many of them have grants that they work uh, uh, together on, uh, which is how the New Hampshire Cemetery was formed. That's really neat, Stephen. So we've got, you know, lots of options to choose from. Do you get to choose your state, or do you, you know, like some people in the military, you know, they may be living in a different state, and, you know, are you allowed to choose the state? Do you apply? You know, how do you get buried in one of these veteran cemeteries? Um, in New Hampshire, um, I, I checked into uh, quite quite deeply. The other states, I'm not quite sure about whether you have to be a, um, uh, a resident um, the ones that are probably in conjunction that have gotten grants from the from the federal government uh, in conjunction with the VA um, probably allow anyone. New Hampshire does. Uh, you don't have to be a resident of New Hampshire to be uh, interned here. That's amazing. That is amazing. So, who pays for this stuff? Is this a you know you said you mentioned funding? You mentioned a federal grant or something like that. How did these cemeteries stay afloat? These cemeteries, this was, uh, the New Hampshire Cemetery um, came into being uh, by legislative action in 1997, and uh, the state was paying for it, and then they got the grant from the federal government uh, to set this up. But a lot of the money comes from volunteers and just donations. Uh, They have a memorial walkway, for example, where you can purchase a brick with the uh, veteran's name on it, and it's placed in the walkway. Uh, for various amounts of money, um, you can leave a legacy inheritance portion of your uh, inheritance to the to this organization. And this place is absolutely beautiful. The, the one here we have here in New Hampshire. Oh, I bet it is. I bet it is. Does it cost the family anything? Like if 
you know, my dad is, is you know, we already have our burial plot, um, you know, but my, does it cost anything? Like, do you have to go and buy a plot and you pick out a location? How does that work? No. What you do is you, in New Hampshire uh, and most of uh, the other uh, facilities, you fill out an application, uh, supply your DD-214, your uh, discharge papers, and uh, they uh, let you in, and it's all free of charge. The federal government supplies your headstone or marker uh, free of charge anyway, um, but uh, our plots here for veterans is absolutely free. Um, and spouses can be buried with you, and uh, dependents can be buried with you. Now, there is a cost for that. Okay, so they cover the cost of the veteran, but not for the, the wife or the husband or the dependent. Correct. That That is an additional cost. And I would imagine that would vary by state, vary by location. I would and, imagine. And... Uh, yeah. In New Hampshire here, it's uh, $350, which is very modest for uh, being interred with your family. Yeah, that's nothing. That's nothing. I know in New York, uh, the burial plots that my parents bought were about $3,000 each, and it was 3500 for me to have a plot with them. So yes. I would say that's a really good deal. Now, New York was, was one of the funny states that I noticed that as being as large a state as it is with a, such a large population, there's no veteran cemetery in, in, uh, listed for New York. Huh. That's strange. Yes. Yeah, like I say, there's only 45 states there in the, that that have them, um, but the other five states and some of the protectorates don't have uh, veteran cemeteries. What they do is they supply you with headstones or markers or whatever for the wherever you're being interred. Huh, that's neat. That's interesting. Um, I know that there's a national cemetery out on Long Island. That's the only one that that comes to mind, but that's considered a national cemetery. I don't think that's considered a veteran cemetery. They right. may call them different things. Yes, yeah. But under the uh, under the, 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 the VA site, uh, it wasn't listed. They had none. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, so, Stephen, you came across some, some neat stuff while you were doing your research. Do you want to share that with us? Sure. Like I say, the, uh, the federal government supplies grants. Um, in the state, one of the things uh-huh. that one of the things that they have up there is uh, they have a veterans walkway with memorials for all the branches, including Merchant Marine. Now we have a central area that is the flag area, and it's circular. And around that are granite monuments with uh, historical information about uh, the various wars, uh, uh, things that are unique to New Hampshire. Uh, for example, the one that I saw that's right near the roadway was uh, the New Hampshire militia was established in 1680. Wow. So it's been around there since then? Uh, yeah, as, as far as uh, uh, not uh, not the cemetery itself, but uh, that's where it all started from. Yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting. You know what I liked about what you said, Stephen, so far is that it didn't seem to be too difficult. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, veteran services, and sometimes there's red tape, and, you know, we have Tom Van Heese coming up to talk about, you know, making appeals, uh, you know, to the, the Veterans Association. But, you know, it seems fairly straightforward that you fill out the application and you give a copy of your DD-214. 
Yeah, it's uh, you have to go through a selection process anyway for this for this particular cemetery, and and the the grounds and uh, are taken care of by the state, and the, the, it's immaculate. Uh, it's it's a mini version of Arlington, is what it is. The the photographs they're always doing um, memorial services up there. They have a chapel on the grounds, but then they have. Uh, 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 certain ceremonies uh, for Veterans Day and so on. And I've been up there uh, at uh, Thanksgiving, and they we lay wreaths on every grave uh, with a headstone. And then uh, that stays there through Christmas, and then the, the wreaths are removed. Now, when I was up there the other day, I was walking around the cemetery, and we've had so much snow up here that uh, we had a snowstorm uh, just after the wreaths were laid, so they've been buried under four feet of snow, and uh, that cleanup will be coming up short, will do, which I'll go up and try to help with. That's you know, the same more, cemetery oh, that we, we did the um, that video uh, that we've played every year, Sandra? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the cemetery. You know, while you guys were talking, I looked up, um, you know, and there is a claim form that you can find on the VA.gov that will provide a headstone or a marker. And if you're a veteran who died on or after November 1st, 1990, they will place them in private cemeteries. And for veterans who died before 1990, um, there's, you know, a different set of conditions. But it's really neat that this is, you know, that you can submit a claim and you can get a, a headstone marker in there you know, a couple different kinds of them, you know, that you can, you know, you can get. You can get a bronze one, you can get a flat bronze one, you can get a light gray granite on white marble. I mean, some really pretty headstones. They're, they're, and, they're yeah, they're very beautiful. And, uh, you know, they also have uh, the uh, the bronze plaques. We have uh, in New Hampshire, and they have them in, uh, I know they have them in Arlington, too, what I would imagine most cemeteries, but they have the niches for cre- uh, cremated remains. Uh, with a the bronze uh, plaque that goes right on the outside. That is really neat. That is really neat. So, what what is the website that we're supposed to check out? All right, the the general VA one is uh, www.cem.va.gov. That's great, Steve. And again, um, this is something that people hesitate to talk about, but we really encourage families to bring this up in the conversation. Every everyone needs to talk about their will, about their advanced directives, and as uncomfortable as it makes people feel, um, it's an important topic. And uh, families will be very relieved to know that their loved ones who are veterans are going to be very well taken care of. Thank you, Steve, so much for your for your information and your time. Coming up after the break, we've got Thomas Van. He's returning. He was with us last week talking about his book, Disability Compensation, The Veteran's Guide. We're going to breeze a little bit on that, again, um, just to give you a little bit of an overview of what that book entails. But there's also another book, uh, sort of a a sequel, I guess you could say, more specific to the Gulf War uh, veterans. We want to make sure that we find out a little bit about that. And then 
uh, he's also um, collected some memoirs in Life Interrupted by War. Thomas Van Hees with us right after the break here on Military Mom Talk Radio. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Rebecca and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose and all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? We'll pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. here on Tugginet Radio. Like many women, finding balance in life and time to take care of yourself is hard to do. Between managing a career and marriage and children and a busy family schedule, it's hard to maintain a sense of self. And Heather shares how she does it. Check out Heather's website, basilmama.com. Join us for food and a whole lot more on Around the Kitchen Sink with your host, Heather Tallman. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Central on toginet.com. We'll put a boot in your ass, it's in. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Welcome back, everyone. This is Robin Boyd with you, along with Sandra Beck, who has been chatting with Stephen Boyd, our veteran correspondent today. Uh, We talked earlier with Ken Easton, a Korean War veteran, and Steve also gave us a little bit of an overview, a little awakening as to what is actually available to us with veteran cemeteries. So we encourage you all to go to uh, the website that he gave us and um, be uh, right on top of it for your family and your loved ones. Next up, we've got Thomas Van Hees back with us today, a veterans advocate helping veterans obtain compensation from the VA for their service-connected health issues. Thomas, welcome back. Hi, Robin. Thank you. Glad to have uh, you. I guess Sandra's there, too, so you're double-teaming me. (laughs) Um, One of the things that we talked about last week was the fact that your book is maybe very slim visually, but it is jam-packed with so much information, and we have been so impressed by the the amount of information you've given us. Um, Just briefly tell everybody who may not have heard last week's interview how this book came to be. Well, um, over the years, I talked to so many veterans after I filed for compensation, and uh, I heard their problems, and of course, I always got the, I've been fighting with the VA for so many years, and they have done nothing for me, and so I figured uh, I, I might as well write a book about it, because I'm, I'm go- I went through what they're going through at that point, 
and I didn't want them to experience what I had to go through to get compensation. Because with my filing 15 claims, I, I found out a lot of important information on how the VA works. And uh, I wanted to put this in the book so they didn't have to fight the VA, as they say, mm -hmm. uh, to get uh, what they rightfully have earned. Once you started putting this together and started seeking more information, maybe not specific to you, did you have a lot of cooperation as far as um, getting complete information to be able to document here in the book? Oh, the, uh, well, of course, a majority of it, uh, being that I filed so many claims in that four-year <laughs> period and mm -hmm. got denied so many times that I... Um, I, I personally experienced most of the stuff that was in this book. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I went online, and uh, the Internet is a wonderful source of information. And between online uh, and um, the VA's website, um, and then working with other veterans, and then working with VSO, veteran service officers, uh, different places around the United States, uh, it was just relatively so simple for me. Mm -hmm. to go ahead and do this book. And it, it really is interesting because one of the things we did say last week was even though you th might think that you have an insignificant condition or you might think I have nothing visible, therefore it's not worth it for me to go, it is important to go and get documented because later on you could have something that may crop up in your health that may be attributed to something you've experienced in the past and the only way that you can file a claim or at least get into, into the system is by going and getting into their VA system. Is that correct? Oh, that, that, that's definitely the, the, the point. The, the thing is, is a, if a lot of people, as they're growing older, start developing certain things that, you know, they had just assumed is because of old age. Not necessarily so. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, for instance, uh, uh, somebody that jumps out of airplanes, one bad landing 50 years ago, he has a severely sprained ankle. He was treated for it. It's in his service medical records. And now he's got severe arthritis in that ankle. That's a service-connected disability. He can file yeah. compensation for it. And not only that, because of that ankle, it could go up into his knee, and then he favors that leg. His other leg can go bad. When you've got two bad legs, your lower back goes bad. So those are all secondary conditions to mm. the primary ankle condition. So he can file for all of that. Wow. Now, Tom, what was so unique about some of the circumstances in the Gulf War that warranted you to write a sequel, if you will, um, for disability compensations for those veterans? Well, when I, when I was dealing with the veterans that, you know, most of those veterans I deal with are Vietnam veterans. I have dealt with a good majority of uh, a number of uh, World War II veterans and some Korean veterans. Nobody seems to be helping the Gulf War vets. Um, the, the problem that they have is they suffer from a whole different uh, bunch of health issues. Uh, we as Vietnam veterans, um, you know, though a majority of the health issues suffered by Vietnam veterans was are from Agent Orange exposure, the Gulf War mm -hmm. veterans are suffering from now will continue to suffer for an undetermined number of years. 
And that's, you know, that's really scary. Though Vietnam veterans know what caused their diseases and their health mm-hmm. issues, the Gulf War veterans do not know what caused their unexplained, undiagnosed symptoms and illnesses. And this is tragic. But take my word for it. Uh, well, let me back up a little bit. Uh, Shinseki, who is the director of the VA, will has already stated to Congress that he is going to take care of his veterans, the Gulf War veterans, if they come up with a diagnose, uh, undiagnosed or a mysterious health issue, they will be treated for it. They're not getting compensation for it now, but take my word for it, compensation is coming. Mm. I guess with everything, they have to have a number of statistics showing necessity, and once the necessity is evident, that's when they'll kick in. I guess if that's the if that's the pattern, I guess that's what they've got to do. But I'm very pleased that you've taken the time to identify these specific um, conditions for this group of people, um, because I'm sure that there is a huge number of veterans that fall into this category. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, now, I wanted to talk a little bit about your other book, your memoirs, Life Interrupted by War. It is, um, I'm sure, a, a diary of sorts, but was it something that you wrote along the way, or is it something that you, as you were finding time and recuperation perhaps, that you decided to um, think back on your time away? No, um, that came about in like 2007. Um, in the in my book, um, there's one character in there that that go that appears in a whole bunch of different situations and experiences that we all went through there. And um, he was killed on the morning that I was shot. And he was killed 23 days later, carrying my machine gun. And I never was able to get a hold of his family over the years. And some 35 years later, through one of the guys in my unit, I made contact with the only two living relatives in this family, his nephew and his sister. And they wanted some more information about, uh, I'll call him Moose. That's what I nicknamed <laughs> him over there. And um, they wanted more information about it because he was not a letter writer. He didn't correspond with uh, his relatives back home, so they knew nothing about what he went through over there, what he did. They didn't even know what his job was. So I sat down and I wrote a bunch of stuff down, and it ended up being 30 pages, and I sent it off to them, and they were just elated. And I got to figuring, you know, I'm still in contact with some of my other guys. Why not sit down and write a book about it so they can get share of the information also? So that's what kind of led to it. Hmm. When you came up with the title, Life Interrupted, do you think that one comes back and gets right back into where you left off in your journey of life? Or do you think you have a different journey that you have to um, take on as a new path? Well, for me, I was 17 years old when I joined the Marine Corps. There was four of us that went in together. Uh, what did we know? You know, we, did, we had no direction in life. We joined the Marine Corps, and shortly after boot camp, uh, most of us went to Vietnam. So when I got out of the service, and before, and while I was in the service, I got married. And when I was in Vietnam, uh, my first uh, firstborn son mm-hmm. um, was 10 months old when I came home. 
I had no direction. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got out of the service. And so um, we just adapted to whatever life threw at us at that time. And it's been a journey. It's uh, Next year is our 50th anniversary. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. That's fantastic. Um, I think sometimes what we have found in um, talking with other people, there are times that things happen in uh, an episode of life, and it doesn't necessarily need to be going to war. It could be the loss of a job. It could be um, an illness that doesn't give us the same capacity. And the term new normal has certainly been uh, thrashed around in a lot of instances and I think sometimes when um, there has been life interrupted um, we need to be open to what the other side could be rather than what the other side isn't anymore so I was kind of hoping that that was where where your title was, was bringing you was to open up to what is ahead as opposed to what didn't inspire because well, of... Actually- Actually, this book, um, I wrote it. My wife edited it many, many times, and she came up with the title. We hashed it over. I had some different uh, different ideas on what the title should be. She came up with the title, and my son, who was a graphic designer, came up with uh, the cover. So it was kind of like a family thing. Oh, wow. That's really great. Uh, Tom, where can we find your books? Um they're on Amazon.com. They're on uh, Barnes & Noble. They're at Military Writer Society of America's website. And they're also on the Blue Water Press website. That's www.bluewaterpress.com. Mm. And um, they can get them through me. Um, I suggest getting them through me. They're a little cheaper. And uh, it, I can get them out right away. They Sometimes it takes five weeks to get them. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. Tom Van Hees, we're so pleased to have you. We look forward to chatting with you again uh, later on in the year. And um, we want everybody to know that you took the gold medal award from the Military Writers Society of America. And we are very proud to share this book and all of your books with our listeners. Thanks so much, Tom. Thank you. Next week, we have Deb Belanger coming with us. She is um, uh, Freedom to uh, Fitness, I want to say, and I I should have looked that up before I said it out loud because um, I know I will uh, probably have said it wrong. Um, She has been with us before, and she is not just talking about good fitness, but good health and good mental health as well as good physical health so do join us next week for deb bolanger this is robin boyd with sandra beck with you on military mom talk radio we hope you all have a great week and look forward to seeing you again next week <laughs> 